0: Almighty Heavenly Father, thank you for calling us into your presence once more. Thank you Jesus for coming and saving our souls so that we could be made more like you. And Holy Spirit, we praise you also and we ask that you would be among us tonight so that we can worship by hearing and obeying your word. Glorify your name now among us Almighty God so that we would be men and women of God who honor you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The good news is that God's power is available to all. Matthew chapter four, verse 17, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist preached this same message before Jesus appeared. And then in the chapter we'll tackle next week, Jesus commanded his disciples to preach the same message in chapter 10. Clearly, this was an important message to Jesus. But what does it mean? Well, Some of it's pretty easy. To repent means to turn away from whatever idol that you're currently worshiping and turn your heart and your mind towards God. The word repent communicates the idea of changing your mind to decide that the flavor of sin that you savor really is the arsenic it is and move towards the only one who really can satisfy your soul and give life to you now and forever. The kingdom of heaven, then, the kingdom of heaven is where what God wants done gets done. The kingdom of heaven is where what God actually wants to bring about in the lives of his people and the people around him to happen. It's far more than the place, any place, the kingdom of heaven or of God, they mean the same thing, is where God reigns. It is the active rule of God in the world about us, not someplace over there or even up there. The kingdom of God is where God's Power accomplishes God's purposes. Therefore, we can paraphrase Jesus' message in Matthew 4:17: "Repent, for the kingdom of God is hand." With my favorite version, the Burtonet Standard Version, you know, which is abbreviated BSV. Thank you. Some of you got that. Turn away from your sin and turn to God for the reign of God is available to everyone everywhere. That is Jesus' central message. Turn away from your sin and turn to God for the reign of God, the availability of the power of God to change your life is available to everyone everywhere. And finally, the reign of God is at hand. It is available to any who would reach out their hand and receive it. Because if something is at hand, it means the thing is close enough to touch it, to grab it, to use it. The reign of God is that close because Jesus, Emmanuel, has brought the power of God actively ruling and reigning close enough to be appropriated by his people. Let me say all of this in another way. God actively reigns through those who will repent and be willing tools to accomplish his desire. God uses his power through his people to accomplish what he wants to bring about his kingdom not merely whatever it is that we are currently after. And in the passage we are coming to tonight, what we find is one who sees the power of God available and is a man who desired above all else to accomplish all that God desires. What we will see is that when what God wants done gets done, people experience compassion instead of chaos. And we will see that when what God wants done gets done, we will find that we can be a part of his compassionate rule. We're concluding chapter 9 tonight. And starting in verse 35, we read... Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd." Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Tonight, we will learn to show compassion by God's power available to you right now. You can be a part of bringing compassion to the chaos around you when you pray and when you act because Jesus has made God's power available to you. Now let's look at these verses and see how God wants us to live. If you have your notes, the first blank is God's power is available to all. It says in verse 35, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Now, we are used to hearing about the gospel or the good news in relation to sin. Very appropriate. God sent Jesus, God the Father sent God the Son to come and deal with sin in terms of giving us salvation. We are saved from the penalty of sin. We are being saved from the power of sin. And we will one day be saved from the presence of sin. Amen? All this is true. All this is part of the gospel. And it is true that God's power is one way of looking at what accomplishes or what brings about this salvation through Christ's redeeming acts. But this particular passage isn't so much dealing with Christ and his relationship to redeeming us from our sin, but in Christ and bringing about the power of God to show compassion to the world around us. It's not dealing with all of the gospel, but with a significant part of it. This passage emphasizes the power of God in terms of reaching out with compassion to those around us. It emphasizes God's kingly rule making a difference in the lives of those who are on the border of his kingdom, who haven't yet tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Jesus lives in this passage, the, the God's kingly rule that he talked about in Matthew four seventeen, And he does it by healing diseases and afflictions. He also demonstrated God's kingly rule by preaching the good news of his kingdom, of his rule. And this is the beginning of, of overcoming chaos with a compassionate use of God's power. It must include the message of redeeming us from our sins. And this God's kingly rule must incorporate the message of bringing compassion to those who need it. In fact, Jesus later, two chapters later, summarizes his work in Matthew 11... The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is everyone who is not offended by me. You see, Jesus traveled everywhere in Israel and called everyone to repent, to turn and look to the Lord as opposed to whatever trinket or whatever relationship or whatever circumstance captures our eyes. In Matthew, preaching the good news of God's reign, including a healthy dose of curing people's diseases and healing their hearts. I think that we, conservative, good, Baptist, Protestant Christians, lose sight of this. We lose sight of the fact that the gospel heals the soul as the same time it heals the body. Now, I'm not arguing that we should be running around touching people and expecting them, the blind, to see. We don't have that on a widespread in a widespread way right now. Instead, we find good conservative evangelical Baptist like Protestants going around and bringing healing through both our actions and our attitudes. Have you ever thought about the fact that Every day, right now, in this world, Christians have healed more people than in the entire three-year ministry of Jesus Christ. Citizens in God's kingdom today heal as doctors and nurses and staff at hospitals. Christians heal as neighbors and family and friends in their home. Citizens of God's kingdom, us, we, heal as disciples of their master in their church and at their work. Oh yes, God's power for compassion is available to you right now. This, I believe, is exactly what Jesus meant in John fourteen twelve when he said that we would do greater works than he did. Because there are more of us to do these works. It doesn't mean that we spit on the ground and make saliva and and heal a blind man, but it does mean that our attitudes and actions bring healing to many. Many more lepers and widows and orphans could be healed today if you and I acted on the fact that God's power is available right now for us to change our hearts. And change the hearts around us by the grace of God. We must not allow the fact that we cannot touch people and heal them physically to stop us from building healing, healthful, godly relationships and doing those healing works wherever we are. Good news. The good news, the gospel of the kingdom, the reign of God is available right now where you are. This is the best news. Not whatever you find under your Christmas tree or whatever you might hope for the new year. Do you need to experience some of this godly, kingly power? Do you need to see the reign of God in your life? then do what Jesus says. Repent. Turn to God and away from whatever is taking your attention off him and give him your heart. Acting again, not just to buy fire insurance when you walked up an aisle at a church or you knelt and you prayed at an altar, but to live as citizens of God's glorious powerful kingdom that is available right now and is as close as your fingertips. And again, keeping with the point in this particular passage, ask your Lord to enable you to show compassion. Ask your Lord to make you a source of healing in the relationships about you. My friends, I I really think this is one of the short-sightednesses that we have as the American Protestant church. We think, oh, I I can't heal lepers. Remember, healing lepers isn't only about taking their disease off their skin. It's about touching their heart. It's about going to people who desperately need someone to touch them and love them and speak kind words to them. That is being a part of God's compassionate rule. Do you find it difficult to show compassion on people around you? They don't deserve your compassion. My friends, that is the attitude we must repent of and we must ask for God to show us this compassion and do it through us and then move through our life expecting that he will do so wherever we are and believe, trust, have confidence in the fact that your God is big enough to overcome the obstacle in your heart and overcome the obstacle in the hearts around you. You and I must show compassion by God's power available to us right now. So, God's power is available to any and everyone who, use, who wishes to use it for his glory and the fact remains, our second point, you and I are powerless. We are powerless. That's Jesus' point in verse 36. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I'm going to argue that that's you and me. That's us. That's that's every single seven and a half billion people who walk the earth right now. Harassed means constantly pestered by demands. It's like having 20 bosses and they all tell you to do something. And not only do they tell you to do something, but it's sometimes contradictory. And you're running from pillar to post going, what do I do? Nobody can live like that very long. Ah, but that's exactly how our culture lives, isn't it? It's everywhere around us. Millions right now are harassed by competing desires and contradictory orders from our own messed up, sinful hearts that are fractured in so many different ways because, oh, I want this, oh, 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 squirrel. That's the life we live. The fact that the crowds were also helpless meant exactly that. They have no one to free them from this harassment. In fact, I would go so far as to say it's worse for you and me today than it was for them. We have cell phones. We have iPads. We have the internet to make sure that we're always running so fast that we don't even know which way is up. Anybody ever felt like that? Have you felt harassed? Have you felt helpless to catch your breath? This is that time when you have the desire to do what you know to be right, but there's another seemingly more powerful desire to do something else Have you ever really, really wanted to do the right thing but felt impelled to do something you knew to be wrong? If you have, welcome to Paul's world because he said in Romans 7, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Oh, Lord, That describes me about, you know, 23 and 9 tenths of an hour every single day. (laughs) I really do appreciate when you laugh at my dumb jokes. (laughs) It is for this reason because we are the harassed and helpless ones that Jesus felt compassion on the sheep-like people around him and around him still. And we desperately need a helper, a shepherd who can guide us out of the traps we find ourselves in. But this is not as it should be. This experience is not as it ought to be. Cell phones, iPads, and the internet are not necessarily bad things in and of themselves they can be used to much good. Yes, James, you can write that down. I said it. Rather or rather we must do those things that Christians have done for millennia while we have our cell phones to find our centers again in the midst of a world that is driving us in every direction possible. What things? What What things have Christians been doing for thousands of years? Oh, well, you know, all the things that preachers and Sunday school teachers have been telling you all your life pray, study your Bible, spur one another on to love and good works, show compassion to those who are outside God's family. This isn't rocket science, people. I've said many times to you that Christianity is simple, it is not complex. Nor is it easy. In fact, we are helpless. We cannot do it apart from the grace of God. And that is why, if we are going to live these kinds of life, we must do the third point. And the third point in our passage is we must pray for God's power. Verse 37. Then Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, don't work, don't take up large collections, don't build great big hospitals. Pray. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Specifically, Jesus tells his followers that we are to pray for those to join in our efforts to show compassion by God's power available to us right now. Now, Certainly, we are to pray for God's power to flow in us and through us so that we are, in a sense, garden hoses. We're kind of bringing God's compassion here. We're bringing God's power there. We're, bringing, we're being a part of His activity to do these things. And we are to pray for others to do the same alongside of us. To do what? To bring in the harvest. There is a harvest out there. There are many of those who need to experience God's compassion because guess what? They're not going to find compassion anywhere else out there. Oh, you can pay for someone to come and hold your hand or you can have a surrogate company by having a television But we are God's people to bring compassion, to bring healing, to bring the power of God in us and through us so that people can experience him. Will you be one who brings God's powerful compassion to them? Will you be one who prays for laborers for the harvest? Because, according to this, you can and you must pray for the sovereign Lord to send his laborers to reap. Make no mistake. God wants you to partner with him to accomplish what he wants done and he will get what he wants done done. That's the whole point of it being his kingdom. He is the king. But we still must pray. And contrary to what some believe, you can have confidence when you pray because God is sovereign. Instead of saying, oh, God is sovereign, he'll do whatever he wants to do, why pray? We need to say the opposite. Oh, I get to pray and I know that God's going to do, he's going to hear my prayer and do something about it because he is sovereign, because he can do something about it. Let me explain this concept by correcting two misconceptions about prayer. Jesus talked about this when we were in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus doesn't want you to think that your prayers need to you know, add up to some magical number where you'll finally get what you want. You don't need to pray 10,213 times in order for your friend to be saved. God longs to bring you with him to get done what he wants done. Not just to get you to keep him company or some other ridiculous idea. And your prayers don't somehow change God's mind as if He were saying up in heaven, okay, I'll save that soul. I don't want to, mind you, but you've twisted my arm long enough. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. And if you allow your mind to think that kind of deceitful rubbish, it will kill any ability for you to pray. You must perish those thoughts. Instead, prayer gives us the fancy word is the dignity of causality. I just love how that rings dignity of causality. Prayer is the means by which spiritual things can happen. Now, if you want a nail driven into some wood, what do you do? You go to your garage, you get a hammer, and you start nailing. Uh, Okay, some of you might call somebody to do it for you, but that's besides the point. You get the hammer, and it doesn't surprise you that the hammer is the means for driving that nail even though it's not really the hammer that's doing it, but it's you that's doing it with the hammer, right? You get that? The, the means or the tool by which you get this nail driven is the hammer. Well, likewise, prayer is the tool. It is the means by which we drive spiritual nails home. You want something physical done, you get a physical tool. You want something spiritual done, you get a spiritual tool. And that is, in this case, prayer. It is what God has given you and me so that we can be a part of what he is doing to bring about his earthly reign, to be partners with him in his kingdom. When we pray, we are brought into partnership with God to accomplish what he already wants done. God created you to glorify him. You do that by praying and taking part in his kingdom or You can also glorify him by him putting you off to the side because you're no longer a useful tool. Or in extreme cases, for those who have never come to God in the first place, he'll abandon you in the next as well. But you don't want to go there. Instead, prayer is a means by which you and I can join with God in accomplishing our joy, his glory, and the growth of his kingdom. And if you become friends with God like that, my friends, He will never let you go. You and I can show compassion by God's power available to you now for making a difference in His kingdom for His glory. And verse 38, like the rest of the passage tonight, is a gracious, loving, tender appeal invitation for you to take part with him in bringing about what he wants done that is why you this week can show compassion by God's power available to you now oh I just can't be compassionate to that person one more time they drive me nuts God give me the grace And then after you say, God, give me the grace, what do you say? Thank you, Jesus, and now I'm going to do it. And you walk off and you show compassion, trusting that God has already worked that in you. And that brings us to the final question. How do we do that? How do we be this conduit of God's power in this passage by showing compassion? Well, I'm not going to give you some secret formula. You don't have to, you know, clap your hands above your head and and turn around three times and then go the other way. And I'm certainly not going to give you this specific prayer. And if you pray it exactly like this at the right time of day, all that stuff is rubbish. Don't believe any superstitious stuff like that. Instead, humbly ask God, God, I need your grace to show compassion to this person. And then believe that he's already given it to you and move on. Show them compassion. One of the most harmful ideas that a Christian can have is that we must somehow find God's will like a needle in a haystack. The God who loves you and loves your very difficult-to-get-along-with neighbor trying to get you to show that very difficult neighbor compassion because they're on the borders of his kingdom and they need to be brought in. God isn't trying to get you to find his will like a needle in the haystack. Quite the contrary. God gives us this promise that every time I read it just gives me courage. Isaiah 58, 8 and 9 when you are partnering with the Lord, then your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Trust this promise, my friends. Trust this God, and you will be able to show compassion by the power of God available to you right now. Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, we give you glory because we are powerless, and we must have your power to come in and through us so that we can be the men and women of God you have created us to be. And in this case, according to this passage, that is by showing the compassion of God to those around us. Bless us, Jesus, so that we may be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen.